Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. After a long hiatus, welcome back into the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Really glad to see you guys. Hope all of you had a very Merry Christmas and uh, also as good as you could have had uh, a Happy New Year as well. I know a lot of you, a lot of you um, took over the Superdome, really. I mean, what, what was it, 60, 65, 35, and that's even conservative. So a lot of you took over the Superdome, spent your New Year's in New Orleans. Didn't go the way you had hoped, but I hope otherwise you had a very Happy New Year and Merry Christmas and all that good stuff. A lot of things have happened since we last spoke. So here's how I'm going to do this. I think is how I'm going to break it up. So today I'm going to focus specifically and really only on the game itself, on the Sugar Bowl, on the game. And then tomorrow I will, if there's movement, which I think there will be, uh, coaching staff stuff, Charlie Weiss Jr., new strength coach, which sounds like that deal's done. So we'll get to hopefully some more news on other staff members like DJ Durkin. It was reported at some point last week that he was likely gone to AM. Now it sounds like that is not necessarily the case anymore, that they are actively trying to get him to stay, and he is being receptive to those conversations. Either way, there's so much to cover um, Jerry and Ely declaring for the NFL, all that stuff. We'll get to coaching staff and stuff like that tomorrow. So I'm going to break that up because I, I could just sit here for hours uh, with you talking about all of this at once, everything that we've missed since I was on vacation and visiting family and stuff like that. So we're going to break it up. And today uh, we will focus specifically on the Sugar Bowl. Again, my name is Michael Borky. I am very glad uh, to have you guys. The podcast, as always, is brought to you in part by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website. If you're in the market in the new year for office technology solutions, if you are a business owner or somebody that makes decisions for your business anywhere in the state of Mississippi, ABSMS.com is the website. Tell them I sent you get a complimentary office technology assessment. So um, Anything from copiers and printers, mail machines, phone systems, cloud storage, day security. If it's technology, if it's the office, Advantage Business Systems will hook you up. So the final scores you guys know by now, uh, 21-7 in favor of Baylor. No score in the first. Baylor got that one pick six in the second quarter after Matt Corral went down. Uh, Luke Altmeyer came in through a beautiful touchdown pass in the third. Uh, was intercepted in the third to to go up, or excuse me, to go down 14-7. And then it was kind of over from there. So uh, 21-7 is the final score. Ole Miss ends the season at 10-3. and three. Uh, I've got a bunch to get to. I'll start with this, though. I think some perspective is needed here with this game for some people. Not all of you. Maybe not even any of you. Uh, in this audience, but I think some perspective is needed based on some of the reaction that I saw and that I heard uh, yesterday from from some fans. Um, it, I think some people sometimes forget that uh, the other team also has coaches and players as well. Uh, in some cases, are very very good at what they do, 
And no, I'm not saying that you should just be okay with losing. Losing's never good, and you shouldn't be okay with it. However, uh, some of the reaction was kind of baffling to me when you consider how good this Baylor team is, how good of a coach Dave Aranda is, how well-coached and disciplined that team is, uh, how good they are uh, on defense, how disciplined they are on defense, and the fact that your soon-to-be first-round pick, team leader, Mr. Do-It-Everything quarterback, was injured early in that football game, and you had to play a true freshman that has taken how many reps with the ones the, this season? Uh, I mean, very, very few. A true freshman in the Sugar Bowl against that defense and that team. And some of the reaction I saw was kind of um, out of proportion uh, for, for what happened. Um, I am not saying that you shouldn't be upset that your team lost. You should. Losing's bad. That's a good Baylor team, though. A very, very, very good Baylor team. They were number six in the country for a reason. They're one of the best defenses in college football. Uh, a very disciplined, very good tackling team. Uh, great at getting after the quarterback, obviously. Uh, that's a good Baylor team. And losing Matt Corral in that game, I, I mean, I, I had somebody tell me that Lane Kiffin got outcoached last night. And, you know, maybe that's true. Maybe that is true. Um, but without Matt Corral, what did you expect them to be able to do? You know, I, I don't I, I just simply do not think that some of the reaction I saw yesterday was rooted in reality. Uh, Ole Miss won 10 games in the regular season for the first time ever. It was a very good team and a very good team that was not going to beat a, an opponent at Baylor's quality without Matt Corral. It, it wasn't going to happen. And so when you say, or when somebody says, Levy should have never been there, he he was obviously checked out. What would you like him as a play caller to do when his offensive line is getting destroyed the way that they were? If you had a question coaching, offensive line maybe would, would be a good place to start, I guess. but Because uh, they, they got absolutely abused uh, by Baylor, just destroyed. Uh, it, it was an embarrassment for the Ole Miss offensive line. It was an embarrassment. So if you're doing that thing where it's, oh, Levy should have never been there. He called a terrible game. How on earth, or, or maybe it's an oversimplification, but well, what could you have had him do differently without Matt Corral when his offensive line is getting destroyed that bad? I still now, because I've seen some people do the hindsight thing, I still now think it was the right move to let him coach in the game because, mostly because, Matt Corral deserved the opportunity to have everything be as equal as possible, the same as possible. No new variables in that game. If he was willing uh, to not do the opt-out thing like so many players of his caliber do now and play one game for your team, they should have done everything they could, everything in their power, to make sure that there was continuity. Everything was the same for him, no adjusting. Uh, I think he deserved that chance uh, to have everything the same. And Jeff Levy was his OC all year. And I think he still, I to this day, and you may disagree, I still think, even after watching the game, that that was the right decision because Matt Corral deserved that. Uh, but after Corral went down and you're playing a true freshman who I think held his own and, and did well, and we'll talk about him in a second, but held his own, did well, played well with perspective. He played well. Uh, but when Corral went down and when your offensive line is getting abused that bad, is it really 
on scheme and play calling. Yes, you can argue that the offensive line wasn't ready to play or whatever the case may be, and that falls on coaching. Sure, I, I, I will hear that argument, but that's not a lot of what I heard um, or what I have heard since that game ended last night into today and some of the criticism that's come with it. I understand that it's frustrating. They only scored seven points in, in, in the Sugar Bowl. That's not good, but they got absolutely freaking abused up front, and Matt Corral got hurt very early into that game. What else? I mean, the game was lost when Corral went down. They weren't winning that game without him. Not against that team. They weren't winning that game without him. He goes down, and that kind of ended it. I don't know if they win with him with how bad they were abused up front, but some of the reaction I saw I don't think is justified uh, based on who their opponent is, um, how good of a defense specifically that team is, and then Matt Corral getting hurt during the game. I think the, all those factors should lead you to have some perspective. So if, if you think that, or if you're reacting in that way, I would encourage you to to step back a little bit and realize what happened. When a quarterback of the caliber of Matt Corral goes down and the guy that replaces him is a true freshman, that's what you're going to get, especially when the offensive line played as bad as they did. Is that on coaching? Maybe. No, not me. I mean, those guys are better than the way they looked. But also, how many defenses have they seen that are objectively better than Baylor's? How many? Not many. Um, You could argue Alabama has more talent. You could argue that Texas A&M has more talent defensively. Um, but, But who else did they play that has more than what they saw this year? Or what they saw in New Orleans? Not many. Not many. So, uh, true freshman quarterback, offensive line getting beat up like that. I, I really just don't – I fail to see what more could have been done from a pure coaching schematic perspective. And if you're going to argue – you hear my son? <laughs> he's uh, he's my co-host today. Um, and if you're going to say, oh, the team wasn't ready to play, they weren't ready to play, then why did the defense play as well as it did? If the team wasn't ready to play, if they weren't focused and prepared for the game, then why on earth were they so good on the other side? So um, I'm not going to go down that road. I I don't think that's fair uh, considering the circumstances. I do think moving forward, and again, we'll talk about this later this week as well, but moving forward, the rest of this offseason, I I think is very important for Lane Kiffin um, on on a couple of fronts. Uh, uh, my My friend Rippy had a really good tweet last night, I think, about that. Um, where he specifically talked about how, um, you know, what happened last night could possibly be a sign of things to come. And it's up to Lane Giffen to make sure it is not that. So we'll talk about that later this week as well. Um, but I did see a lot of a lot of unjustified reactions to, to losing to the number six team in America in a bowl game when your starting quarterback goes down early in the game. But anyway, now let's talk about that now. Matt Corral, uh, his injury uh, reporting today, nothing official, but uh, a lot of reporting from the NFL side of things that uh, the word around league circles is that he avoided major injury, uh, looked really bad at the time, just felt absolutely terrible uh, for Matt Corral. Um, 
in that moment because I mean, as Nick Underhill, who covers the Saints today, pointed out, if, if when when you say he won't fall much because of the injury, a few spots is potentially millions of dollars. Seriously, um, so if won't fall much is what happens. He, he lost money because of that, if that's in fact what goes down. So you, you felt absolutely terrible for him. But the reporting, knock on wood, the reporting today is that he seemed to have avoided major injury. Now, the the results of his MRI that he was getting today have not been released. But again, you've got people that cover the NFL uh, that are reporting that uh, word around the league is good that they don't expect it to affect his draft status because they expect him to to be healthy in short order and, and to be able to participate in, in private workouts and, and things like that and show teams that that he's good. Um, he's, he's not permanently damaged or anything like that. So that's really good news uh, from a very unfortunate situation. I did see something, though, that I, I feel like is kind of gross. Um, so, so Matt Corral, right, um, was kind of, not kind of, uh, was universally praised for, for his decision uh, to stick with this team. And, and his quotes going into the game were, were admirable because I, I loved what he said uh, when it was, these are the guys that got me in this position. I'm only here you know, because of, of my teammates. Why would I not play in this game for them considering how much they've done for me? I mean, just great quotes, everything. And it was kind of a... a a viral sensation with the things he said going into this game. And um, obviously, it's going to be a first-round pick. I think if an NFL team passes on Matt Corral, they're stupid. I had people try to tell me last night that they don't think that he's an NFL quarterback, and they listed things that just are not reality. I had somebody tell me he can't fit footballs into tight windows, and I thought, what the hell are you watching? Do you watch football? Um, He's got every quality, I think, size might work against him a little bit. He's just a little small. He's got to put on some weight for sure, but he's athletic enough. Obviously, now we have learned uh, he has developed into a great leader, uh, but the arm talent is is absolutely there. Um, The accuracy, uh, arm strength, uh, quick release, I think that's really going to impress people when he goes to these workouts is how quickly the ball comes out. I had somebody tell me that he never reads progressions last night, and that person's an idiot as well. Um, the guy has all of the tools to be an NFL quarterback, and he's going to be a first-round pick. And if the Saints are able to pick him at whatever pick they are and they choose not to, I'm going to be very mad. Uh, an NFL team that passes on him is incredibly stupid, even with what happened with that injury last night. However, I, I saw I saw some a bunch of stuff that I, I found just kind of gross. So he is getting carted off the field in the Sugar Bowl. This player decided to to play this game with his teammates because why would I not? I and mean, these are my guys. I'm going to be here. And as he's getting carted off the field, you had people. See, I told you so. I told you he should have never played. I told you he shouldn't have played. He should have opted out. I told you so. And then you had... Uh, See, I was right. You shouldn't play in these games. There's, I told you so. Look, he's losing money. But I, I found that the, the takes from both sides and the no, see, he should have played. And that injury, yeah, that's that's what happens when you and, and the debate that that people were just flying takes off about how see, I told you so. Well, he's getting carted off the field, and at the time, 
Could you imagine what was going through his head at the time? So here he is getting carted off the field, possibly losing millions of dollars and the opportunity of a lifetime to be a first-round pick. That could have been in jeopardy last night. Maybe, just maybe, hold off on the see I told you so and maybe just wish the kid well. Maybe that's what we should do. I, I, I don't know. I'm being oversensitive to it, I think. But some of the takes yesterday, while he's getting carted off the field, like you couldn't shut up for a day? You couldn't find out uh, what the injury was before you had to just do the, see, I told you so, he shouldn't have played. Nisha, I was right, I was right. Look, he got hurt, I'm right. I, I found that to be terrible. Wish him well, hope he recovers, and shut up. I found that just really in bad taste from people with bigger platforms in mind, too. I found that in really bad taste. I see, I told you so. He shouldn't have played. No, you shut up. He made a choice because he respected and loved his teammates. And it was potentially catastrophic. Wish him well. And nobody gives a, forget my language, everybody. Nobody gives a shit if you're right that he shouldn't have played. Nobody cares. Shut up and wish the kid well. Because his, his, Health is far more important than doing the see I told you so thing. I found that gross. Luckily, luckily, uh, it sounds like he avoided catastrophe. Hopefully, that continues to be the case. I really admire him, though. I admire the the willingness to play and not opt out. Um, this, though, is whether you agree or disagree with it. This is why players do opt out. This is why. Uh, this is why it happens to, to avoid things like this. And uh, Matt Crowell didn't find it worth it. And I have a feeling. Actually, I know this to be true. Um, I think I talked about it with you guys on here before. NFL teams absolutely don't listen to what some sports media people tell you. There are NFL teams that absolutely care whether or not a player opted out in a bowl game. Some of them don't care. Some prospects are so can't miss, you can't care. But there are NFL teams, I know for a fact, don't listen to somebody that tells you otherwise, because I know for an absolute fact that there are NFL teams that if they're looking at two quarterbacks and they find them pretty equal, they will ask and inquire about and consider this guy stuck it out and played with his team and this guy did not. There are some places that don't care that, you know, if they find their guy, they'll get their guy. And, and the, you know, there's no opt-outs in the NFL, so they don't think twice about it. But I promise you, there is an NF, there are NFL teams, multiple, that watched Matt Crowell play in that game and have him on their board. And, and he got positive feedback from that team or, or in their meetings. They're looking at him favorably because he chose to play in that game. I promise you that is the case. Um, hopefully one of those teams, again, is the Saints because I, I, I would love that talent to be coached by Sean Payton in that offense, throwing the football to Alvin Kamara. That would be great. But I admire him for making that decision. Um, it would have been a very easy one for him to opt out. It would have been a safe one to protect himself. And he wouldn't have been criticized, really. Um, I mean, hell, during the Peach Bowl, you've got the guys calling the Peach Bowl talking about how Kenny Pickett made the right decision. I mean, the broadcasters of the game are out here. Yeah, good call, kid. Make sure you get your money. It would have been a safe decision. And I'm not going to say whether or not I think it was the right or the wrong one in this case. 
Uh, All I'm going to say is I admire him for making the one that he did. Uh, It tells you a lot about his character, I think. And it doesn't mean the guys that opt out have bad character. It doesn't mean that. It's it's just a sign that Corral's the kind of teammate that I would want to have for choosing to play in that game. He's the kind of teammate I would want to have. Um, I admire him for, for making that call. Um, and the turnaround that Ole Miss had under Lane Kiffin does not happen without him. This is kind of hot takey, but but I firmly believe it. I think there are other coaches, multiple, a lot, not a lot. There are other coaches, plural, that would have come to Ole Miss and would have had them playing better in year one and year two. Would have had identical records with Matt Corral as their quarterback. But I don't think anybody. Lane, nor, Lane Kiffin, nobody would have turned it around like this without him. With any other quarterback. I don't think there's a quarterback in college football from talent, but it's it's different. It's the locker room stuff. A culture setting. Um, I don't think there's any other quarterback that could have led Ole Miss out of the depths that was the program in November of 2019 uh, to where it sits today. There's not a quarterback out there, I don't believe, that would have been able to do the same. I think there are other coaches that could have led a Matt Corral, uh, led Ole Miss team to the Sugar Bowl in year two. I think there are other coaches that could have done that. I don't believe there are other quarterbacks that could have done that. Um, He should have left in 2019. I would have told him to go. He was dealt a really bad hand at Ole Miss. Multiple different coordinators. Getting benched for John, John Rice Plumley, even though he was significantly more talented and a better quarterback than John Rice Plumley in a system that dates back to 2005, West Virginia, trying to make that work in the SEC. He should have left. But he stayed. He stayed and became what he is today, which should be a legend in your mind. I've talked about it a lot with you. It bears repeating. Matt Corral is on your Ole Miss Mount Rushmore. The number two should be honored at your stadium in the new expansion somewhere. That dude's a legend. You don't go to the Sugar Bowl without him. This turnaround doesn't happen without him. Not anywhere close. And when he gets to, in the first round of the draft, the first time a quarterback's been called in the first round of the draft in almost two decades, he'll have Ole Miss next to his name instead of Oregon. Um which will help your program immensely for a very long time. The kid's a legend. I admire him for doing what he did. I'm glad to see that he's okay, uh, relatively speaking. And there are NFL teams that will pass on him, and those teams are stupid. And whoever gets him is going to get a winner. They're going to get a grinder, a hell of a talent. And he's been a joy to watch. He really has. He's been an absolute joy to watch. Um, Changed his game, changed his mindset, grew up. Grew up big time. Remember 2018, Matt Corral? Remember 2020, Matt Corral? He's changed. He's grown up. He's changed his game. And he changed your program. He changed the program. And um, as a culture setter. And uh, anyway, he was uh, he was an absolute joy to watch. I admire him for making the decision that he made. Um, whether or not it was the right one, it's not up to me to decide. It's only up to the kids to decide. But I admire him. 
and um, go get paid, dude. Go get paid and go play for the Saints and win a Super Bowl. <laughs> or hell, I mean, the Steelers would be a great place for him to go to. I mean, there's a lot of really good options. Uh, teams that are looking for a quarterback. I mean, I saw a report this morning about Russell Wilson's situation in Seattle, and that looks um, like that's coming to an end. So the Seahawks might be looking for a quarterback. I mean, there's good franchises. New Orleans, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Hold Your Noses, Atlanta. Um, I don't know if you can call them a good organization, but they'll be looking for a quarterback. Um there's really good options looking for QBs out there. So we'll see uh, We'll see where he ends up. But that turnaround doesn't happen without him. The Sugar Bowl doesn't happen without him at all. And I admire the hell out of him. And the uh, C, I told you so, takes while he was getting carted off the field, I thought was really bad for him. But maybe I'm just being oversensitive to it. The podcast also brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. As I record this, it's snowing outside, by the way. Uh, yeah, if you can believe it. I was wearing shorts yesterday, and it's snowing outside today. You got some chilly weather in Oxford coming up this weekend, so make chili inside. I did an over-the-top chili for Christmas. It was unbelievable. Uh, Google recipes for that and tweak them however you want, but you got to cook with meat. You got to cook with meat, and if you're going to cook with meat, you've got to get that started at LB's. Again, LB's meat just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. Go by and see Greg and tell him that I sent you. Uh, I was shocked at how bad uh, the offensive line play for Ole Miss was. I was shocked at how bad that was. Uh, That is a group that largely will return intact. Um, There's, I mean, uh, let's be honest. Um, There was a thought that uh, left tackle Nick Broker would, would leave and go to the NFL. And, um, He's not ready for that. Uh, there was some talk about Ben Brown possibly returning. I don't know how real that is, but it, it's a unit that played better during the season than it did uh, last night in New Orleans, no doubt, uh, against SEC defensive lines. So I don't think that was who they are. I think that was how they played, whether it was a lack of preparedness or or something. But that was they, – they were flat-out dominated. And I – I knew Baylor was good defensively. I knew they were really good. They're not as good as the Ole Miss offensive line made them look, though. I mean, what was the total sack number? Ten sacks in the game for Baylor. Uh, a lot of negative rushing plays as well. Uh, just a, a really quite terrible performance from the Ole Miss offensive line, and that that was the difference in the game. That's why I said earlier, I'm not convinced that they win the game even with Corral because of how bad they were up front. That was something that surprised me. I didn't expect it to go down like that. And that, the one area of criticism, not going to criticize quarterback play, it was a true freshman getting thrust into a role that he was not preparing for going into the game. Sure as hell can't criticize the defense. I mean, my gosh, they were exceptional. But that, that is something that is a big red flag um, especially considering some of those guys are coming back. And yes, Baylor's very good. I understand it. But that was a brutal performance from Ole Miss up front. Brutal. They got absolutely abused up front. Abused by Baylor. Did not expect it to go down like that at all. But that, w- that was the key to the game. That was the difference in the game. Uh, was the Ole Miss offensive line and how pathetic they were. They were pathetic. 
I just I don't know what else you want Kiffin slash Levy slash Altmeyer to do when that was what they were dealing with. I'm talking schematically when that was what they were dealing with. I don't know what else you want them to do because that was that was abusing is what it was. Um, it was hard to watch. It really was. Um, Ole Miss ran for what's crazy is they ran for for 207, but you have the losses from the sacks that knocked them down to 138 which was uh, 2.6 per carry. Ely had a pretty good day, uh, really helped by one long 30-yard run. Uh, Snoop Connor does not get enough touches. Uh, there's there's thought that he might transfer, and at this point I kind of get it because he's better. Um, he's better than the touches he gets. He's better than the touches he gets, and that's something that blows my mind is how little used he, he is, uh, especially yesterday when Corral goes down, they should have leaned on their their workhorse, and that's Snoop Connor. And I, I just can't quite figure out why he he does not get more touches. Um, good game, uh, good game from Dontario Drummond. He is off to the NFL. He had a hundred yards receiving against that defense. It's a hell of a game on just uh, nine receptions. But the story is quarterback play for Ole Miss. That's the story, and. Matt Corral goes down, obviously a big deal. But then what happened after that? It's no secret that Ole Miss has been portal hunting for quarterbacks. They went after Spencer Rattler to some degree. They went after Dylan Gabriel, at least. They really went after Dylan Gabriel, honestly. They communicated, which I think is kind of really where it all went, was just communication but not a real pursuit with Bo Nix. But they've been portal shopping. They need to add depth at the quarterback position, regardless of where it comes from or who it comes from. If it's a guy that they expect to start right away or just a piece, they need to add another quarterback because having just two scholarship guys in that room is not good. They they need one more somewhere. But I'll tell you what, even through the two interceptions, one of which was a tip ball, not his fault. The pick six was, was just a tip ball. It's just one of those things that happens. But Luke Altmeyer behind... That offensive line, or at least the way they were playing last night, he was sacked seven times and avoided a few more. Uh, should have been more if he wasn't uh, mobile in the pocket the way he was. He was 15 of 28 for 174, that beautiful touchdown pass. That second interception, he really telegraphed, and that's something that a young quarterback does. He stared his receiver down the entire time, and a good defense is going to jump that route and get an interception. But I'll tell you what, they – do not need to be as desperate with adding a quarterback as I thought they needed to be. I was really impressed uh, by Luke Altmeyer. Was it perfect? Well, hell no. Of course it wasn't. He, he That's a true freshman in his second real game action in his life, playing against the best def- one of the best defenses in college football. And what, the second best defense they saw all year? And thrust into that environment in that game and – it was shaky early, but then shook it off a little bit and played well. And through obviously, he's got some arm talent. I don't think he has the arm strength of Corral, uh, but the talent is absolutely there. Uh, he flashed, really flashed. Uh, on if he's the guy moving forward, I think you should feel comfortable with that, where he gets a full off season to work as the guy and be the guy and grow into the role that a quarterback needs to grow into. Um, 
and prepare for a season. And by the way, the first six games for Ole Miss next year are perfect for breaking in a true sophomore quarterback as a first-time starter. The schedule is soft as hell in the first half of the season next year. It's perfect. But I was really impressed by him, mistakes included. Um, because the, the I think the beauty of the interceptions, again, one of them is not his fault, just a, bat, a tipped ball at the line of scrimmage, but the second one is easily correctable with experience. Easily correctable. Uh, the, the talent is there, though. I mean, escaping the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, throwing good footballs, converting a couple of fourth downs that ran it well. I mean, I don't think he's as athletic as Matt Corral, but he's obviously athletic enough to be effective with his legs. I was really, really impressed with Luke Altmeyer considering his age, his experience, the stage, and the opponent. When you consider age, experience, stage, and opponent, you couldn't have really asked for a whole lot more from your quarterback than you got from Luke Altmeyer. I was impressed, and I think if that's the guy going into next season, you should feel comfortable with that. The talent's obviously there. They need to add somebody on the roster. Uh, they need to add a scholarship quarterback on the roster. They need one more, whether it's Portal or elsewhere. But you shouldn't be worried. You shouldn't be worried at all if Luke Altmeyer's the guy. Really flashed. And that's really all you can ask for in that situation. Um, There's a couple of people in my Twitter mentions that were critical, and I thought, you're insane. You're insane if you expected more than what you got. You're insane. Oh, he blew the game. It's a true freshman playing against one of the best defenses in America. Shut up. Sorry, I've said that twice today. But it's, it was so very few people, actually. But some of it I saw was ridiculous. Stage, age, experience, stage, opponent. He got baptized, if you will, and, and I think he did well. And if that's your guy moving forward, I think you should feel comfortable with that. Given an offseason as the guy, preparing as the guy, week to week being the guy, I think you've got something. And Luke Altmeyer. Will he be Matt Corral? I don't think so. But does he have the makings and, and the tools and the ability to be a, a good college quarterback? I think you saw that last night. I think you did. What you also saw was a dominating defense. Ole Miss played exceptional defense last night against a good Baylor team. I know they ran well, and, and a lot of that is aided uh, later in the game as they kind of got worn down a little bit. But Ole Miss, I mean, they only gave up 14 points defensively. Uh, one of those touchdowns was on a short field, uh, 40 yards passing for Baylor, uh, 279 for what it's worth on the ground. I, I mean, it got to a point where Baylor was really running the football effectively late in the game. But, I mean, just just a great night uh, for Ole Miss's defense. Uh, Chance Campbell has been a great addition, and there's there's some talk about the possibility that he returns to Ole Miss. There's, there's some talk that he returns to Ole Miss. And that's the thing about this defense is uh, you lose Mark Robinson, who was very good. You lose Sam Williams, who was very good. But there's a chance you get Chance Campbell back. You definitely get Otis Reese back. You get Cedric Johnson back. Ward uh, is Jake Springer has applied for a waiver. Uh, you hope he gets that. But you return a lot of bodies. Uh, uh, Tysheem Johnson. A.J. Finley apparently coming back. Uh, Shanti Sistrunk, Miles Battle. I mean, the rest of the defensive line, not named Sam Williams, that was playing by the end of the year. That was a unit that got better and better and better as the year went on. 
And they really flipped a switch after the Arkansas game and became a really capable and effective unit. Um, DJ Durkin and that staff did an excellent job uh, with that defense. And uh, if, if he stays, if uh, Lane Kiffin is able to fight off Jimbo Fisher and, and keep DJ Durkin, I think that's a huge deal because the job he did with this defense, they are still undermanned, still undermanned this season. The talent is not yet there to be as good as they played at the end of the season. Uh, that was a hell of a night, a great coaching job from the defensive staff. And if they stay intact with DJ Durkin and Chris Partridge and Randall Joyner, if they stay intact, that's going to be a pretty salty unit next year, I think. And um, they showed you why last night. They played really well, good enough to win, absolutely good enough to win. Um, so shout out to those guys, and, and we'll see what happens. I mean, that, that's that's – some some people talking out there about Campbell. I don't know how real it is. Maybe he's figured out that he his ceiling can't really get any higher, and so he might as well go to the league. I, I don't know, but there is talk that there's a chance that he comes back. There is talk that Springer has applied for a waiver, and as has Robinson, although that doesn't seem likely, uh, apparently. Um, but a lot of these guys are going to be back, and it's going to be a pretty damn solid unit for, for Ole Miss next year, especially if they get some answers on a couple of these guys. So really good night for them. Uh, they played well enough to win. It's just a, it's a shame that Corral got hurt and the offense couldn't give them a chance to, but they played well enough to win. Absolutely well enough to win. And uh, we'll see what happens moving forward. So uh looked great. I mean, you guys took over that city. Uh, Kiffin can't bitch about fans anymore. <laughs> um, you guys are all in. The facility project got released. We'll talk about that later, I hope, uh, with somebody involved in, in all of it. Um, looks really good. We'll see. We'll see how quickly that gets done. But either way, we got a lot to talk about this week, so that was just more Sugar Bowl-focused. We'll talk about coaching staff and new hires and stuff like that later this week. We'll also talk about that facility project and stuff like that later this week as well. But there was your Sugar Bowl recap. It's a tough loss. You hated to see Corral go out like that, but he's a legend. He needs to be remembered as a legend at uh, at your school. No doubt about that. And I think you're okay at quarterback if that's what happens. I think you're okay. He Luke Altmeyer flashed enough to where you should feel comfortable about where you sit at the quarterback position. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky or YouTube. Please find my YouTube channel. Subscribe to YouTube at Michael Borky. And I will talk to you guys again this week doing coaching staff stuff this week. And we'll talk about that next time. In the meantime, y'all be good. Enjoy your day. And I'll talk to you again. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.